Frank Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to journey. See, this is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another terrific Tuesday for Tortry Ford 520 on the spirit of resistance and rising up. Friends, today we're going to be taking a look at history, attempting to extract some wisdom as to how we might solve some of our great nation's problems. Can you take a guess? Uh, why do you suppose, friends, I'm going to just line out some headlines here that were floating out in the nebulous of the news cycle. Why do you suppose all of these headlines are out there? Violent political threats surge as 24 begins. The Don's lawyer argues the president can assassinate political rivals. The report in Roger Stone spoke with cop pal about assassinating Nadler. Listen to the hot mic as it catches journalists joking about Trump being assassinated like JFK. Hey, man, take a convertible, man. Another journalist caught, uh, same uh, story, different source, caught on tape, joking about a sa- uh, Trump assassination at the courthouse ahead of the immunity appeal hearing. Anyway, friends, you get this, right? I'm sure you picked up on the theme. Personally, I find it highly odd that the word assassination and assassinated would be used in so many headlines in one day. And it's not just happening on one side or the other. The word assassinate is is across the spectrum. It's coming from both left-leaning and right-leaning outlets. What an interesting coinkydink, you know? The leftists are suggesting that Team Trump might be thinking about assassinating political rivals, you know? Projecting much? I don't know. But uh, meanwhile, on the right side, the, the, you know, the right side pundits are hopping up and down because they've got hot mic audio and video evidence of journalists explode, uh, exposing their dark secret desire, joking about assassinating Donald J. Trump. So it's it, it kind of a self-affirming circle here. These articles support the conjecture that violent political threats are surging here in the new year, in 2024. This is all said to be quite the threat to democracy, mind you. Friends, the much greater threat here, just to be clear before we jump in and get deep, is that the much greater threat is the gross manipulation of public perception. It's the intentional priming of a national mood, an emotional state that's set to boil over into a hung election and a civil war, just as the predictive programming and Bill Gates have predicted. Friends, they are priming the American public for violence, just in case that's not perfectly clear. Now, Naive individuals may wonder why that is. Well, why would they do that? I mean, come on, they don't really want violence, do they? But the, the answer is abundantly clear. You know, though, though liberals like to quip about how violence doesn't solve anything. In, in, an, in the actual natural order of things, violence is a very direct and effective means of solving all sorts of problems. That's the way that it, it works in reality, right? If you imagine... Some predator breaks into your home, grabs your wife or your child by the hair and starts dragging them out of the house into the dark of the night. You know, uh, here's a great example where violence is the clear and righteous solution to quickly eliminate the threat. There's there's infinite examples of when violence is righteous and necessary to right the wrongs, if you will. Put differently, violence is nature's way of delivering justice. And this 
I believe, is the root of Thomas Jefferson's famous saying. He says, quote, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants, period, end quote. Now, I know that most of the audience here, at the, astu- listen, the astute listening audience of the Torch Report, is probably familiar with that phrase. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Hell yeah, give me liberty or live, give me death. I will live free or die. That's the battle cry of the American spirit. But today... I want to flesh out the context of Jefferson's remarks here. It was uh, in his 1787 letter written to William Stevens Smith. Uh, Jefferson paints a picture of a situation that's not dissimilar to our own. It's remarkably similar. Uh, And I'm just going to read a little excerpt here. Quote, wonderful is the effect of impudent and preserving lying. The British ministry have so long hired their gazetteers to repeat and model into every form lies about our being in anarchy that the world has at length believed them. The English nation has believed them. The ministers themselves have come to believe them. And what is more wonderful, what we have believed them ourselves, period, end quote. Now, it's, you know, old school English there, but you see what was happening, the American rebels who had just fought to the death to liberate themselves from the tyranny of taxation without representation, from the tyranny of the crown. They were being relentlessly portrayed as anarchists by the media of the day. And so prolific was this propaganda, the long-hired gazetteers. I don't think I'm saying that. Gazetteers? 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 I don't know. But these, the media back then, the old school media, they were relentlessly portraying the American colonists as a bunch of anarchists. And so prolific was the propaganda that, you know, these well-formed lies that were being repeated ad nauseum and spread around the world, they had convinced many of the masses, much of the masses, that the many of the ministers and even much of the American public to believe that the American rebels were actually anarchists. Now, does that sound familiar? I think it should. We'll find strong correlation here between then and now. Uh, Jefferson goes on. He says, and I quote, yet where does this anarchy exist? Where did it ever exist? except in the single instance of Massachusetts. And can history produce an instance of a rebellion so honorably conducted? He's talking about the Boston Tea Party. You know, I say nothing of its motives. They were founded in ignorance, not wickedness. God forbid we should ever be 20 years without such a rebellion, period, end quote. Now, mind you, Jefferson was the president of the United States, one of the founding fathers, one of the presidents, uh, and he's saying, God forbid we should go 20 years without a rebellion like the Boston Tea Party, okay? But first he demands, Thomas Jefferson's demanding proof of the anarchy. All of the, uh, the media, the propagandists were out there saying, all oh, these, these American rebels are a bunch of anarchists. He says, where is this anarchy? Show me. You know, he points to the Boston Tea Party as the singular instance that might be considered anarchy. And that's no doubt what they're. Look at these anarchists, you know, dumping tea into the harbor and not paying their taxes. What a bunch of anarchists, you know. And 
Of course, Jefferson points out that this instance of rebellion was honorably conducted. I mean, they dumped the tea into the harbor in an honorable fashion. (laughs) Despite perhaps being ignorant in their motives, says Jefferson, which I think that's questionable speculation there. I don't know if I agree with Jefferson on that. But they were clearly not wicked in their intentions. They weren't trying to hurt people. They were trying to make a statement. And to me, friends, the correlations between all of this and, and the January 6th events, they're glaringly obvious. But I think the greater takeaway from uh, Jefferson's analysis of this act was the line where he says, God forbid, God forbid we should ever be 20 years without such a rebellion. God forbid we should be 20 years without another Boston Tea Party. God forbid we should ever go 20 years without American patriots standing up against the ever-growing largesse of government authority. That's what he's saying. And now, why would he say such a thing? Come on, why would the president say that we need to have these acts of rebellion every 20 years or so? Jefferson expounds. He says, and I quote, The the people cannot be all and always well-informed. The part which is wrong will be discontented in proportion to the importance of the facts they misconceive. If they remain quiet under such misconceptions, it is a lethargy, the forerunner of death to the public liberty, period, end quote. When I read that this morning, I was like, oh, 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 now that's a juicy passage, is it not? You know, the public cannot always be well-informed. Fact, you know, that's, that's a no-brainer. We know that, but he understood that then. And I'd say that uh, in the modern era, fewer people are well-informed now than ever before because of the propaganda and all that. And as predicted by Thomas Jefferson, people are discontented in proportion to the importance of the facts they misconceive. So that to, the, to the extent that somebody has been bought into the lies, their brain has been warped by the propaganda, now they have a misconception of actual reality. They are discontented in proportion to that. Uh, in other words... People who have been misinformed are now in an emotional tizzy because they perceive Trump as a tyrant, as a threat to democracy, and they perceive MAGA as a threat to America. You think about it, it's backwards. The people who want to make American great again are a threat to America. Right now, another poignant example, just kind of on the on the off the cuff here, you know, people's outrage being proportionate to the facts that they misperceive. Uh, You think about the millions of mindless minions who believe that humanity is destroying the planet. You know, I'd love I'd love to speculate on what Thomas Jefferson might think of all the climate crazies, (laughs) but that would be getting lost in the weeds. You know what what Jefferson's pointing out here is that if people remain quiet under such misconceptions, the death of liberty is drawing near. Jefferson points to lethargy, which is synonymous with apathy. We talk about apathy a lot these days. And he says lethargy or apathy is the indication that the public has lost its appetite for truth and defending freedom. This is, you know, this is, uh, the death of liberty is near, you know, to emphasize what's being said here. I think I think that Jefferson would probably very vigorously chide American conservatives for sitting on their ass 
pass under the misconception that there's nothing that they can do. And then Jefferson would probably point to the climate crazies and the BLM and the Antifa types as prime examples of getting off your ass and doing something. Wrong as they may be, you got to do something even if it's wrong, right? At least these leftist radicals are actively fighting back against their misconceptions, as opposed to simply sitting on their ass waiting for somebody else to take action or hoping that the government corrects course all by itself and assuming that justice is just going to somehow magically uh, assert itself. You know, it's not going to happen. But gluing oneself to a tarmac or torching police cars and smashing up, you know, local businesses and all that, that certainly has a greater uh, social impact than just wishful thinking for things to be better. Again, violence does solve some problems sometimes. Now, I'm not advocating for violence or, or gluing yourself to a tarmac or torching police cars or anything like that, but you just compare and contrast here. And, and this, I think, is why you know, I'm, I'm setting the stage here, friends. I want us to understand where Jefferson was coming from when he says that the, the, the uh, tree of liberty needs to be fed with the blood, uh, refreshed with the blood of tyrants and patriots. Okay? Th- this is the context of where he was coming from. He's saying, you know, he continues. Here's the next excerpt I want to share. He says, what country before ever existed a century and a half without a rebellion? And what country can preserve its liberties if their rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance. Let them take arms, says Thomas Jefferson. You know, people gluing themselves to the tarmac and and the BLM riots and all that, you know, was that not... Was that not an, a, an example of the spirit of resistance? Now, the leftists, they're, they're resisting in their own minds. The, what they're doing is they're resisting their misconceptions that people are destroying the planet, so they glue themselves to the tarmac. Uh, they're, they're, they're resisting that Trump is a fascist, you know, and so they're, they're torching police precincts or whatever, you know. They, they believe that America's run by a bunch of white supremacists, and so, you know, they're up in arms and, and burning the whole place down or what have you. Those are all... Uh, manifestations of the spirit of resistance operating under the umbrella of misconception. When rulers realize, yeah, I want to first, you know, contrast that with what's happening on the right. Okay. You know, uh, on the right side, we see all this, you know, stolen elections and all this, you know, political corruption abounds and blah, 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 blah. What's happening? Well, nobody's gluing themselves to the tarmac or anything like that. So uh, when, when rulers realize that the public no longer has a spirit of resistance, there's really no barrier to them just running roughshod over the entire population. They can impose arbitrary rules and regulations and taxation without representation on a whim. They can completely and fully enrich themselves and their ever-growing network of government cronies, all while the citizens cower in fear and are made to suffer under the boot of tyranny for as long as they tolerate the abuse. No doubt, no doubt, the wise can draw parallels to American politics today. Just look at what's going on. And remember, these, you know, these words. Thomas Jefferson was a brilliant human being. And his words and his insights are as compelling and applicable today as they were 237 years ago. No country 
can preserve the blessings of liberty unless the rulers are warned and reminded that we the people hold the ultimate power and this power is preserved in the spirit of resistance. As I often say, resistance is the spice of life and therefore resist we must. So I just, I so strongly resonate with Thomas Jefferson. I figured we'd uh, just spend some time hanging out with the guy today. So friends, it's, it's my, my belief my sincere belief that the J6 protest was intended to be this sort of peaceful reminder of the spirit of resistance, that, that we the people hold the power and the authority in the United States under the Constitution, and that we peacefully demand accountability to the rule of law, especially when it comes to rigging presidential elections. That's what J6 was all about in my mind, in my heart. I believe that to be true. Uh, but, of course, unfortunately, as Representative Clay Higgins, that guy from Louisiana, he's a great guy. I met him in D.C., by the way. But he, he recently made clear in a Tucker Carlson interview that there were at least 200 undercover government agents embedded in the J6 crowd. And these 200-plus undercover government agents who were embedded in the crowd were able to successfully provoke the sort of staged chaos that then impugned the rest of the peaceful protesters. Now we got people locked up in the D.C. gulag. The J6 show trials later allowed the government to completely rewrite history and the incessant propaganda demonizing MAGA extremists who were doing nothing but peacefully demonstrating their constitutional rights. That propaganda has warped much of the public's understanding of what happened that day. Misconceptions abound. But those, those who are aware of these facts and these misconceptions surrounding January 6th, they remain quiet under such misconceptions. And then this, is this not what Thomas Jefferson was warning us about? We cannot remain silent under such misconceptions. In effect, this allows the government to portray these peaceful protesters as violent insurrectionists. I'm sure, I mean, we've all heard it. So, you know, put it differently, this this remaining quiet under what's going on, it allows the evildoers to point fingers and claim that the good guys are actually the bad guys. Friends, it's a complete inversion of reality, which is very commonplace these days. Government agents stole an election in broad daylight in order to maintain their grip on absolute power and flex their authoritarian rule over we, the American people. Period. Millions of Americans understand this. That's why Trump is crushing all the other presidential contenders, because he was the voice or was supposed to be the voice, the choice of the American people in 2020. And he remains the voice and the choice of the American people to this day. Millions of people believe that Donald J. Trump was supposed to be the president and they are very passionately attempting to deliver him to his rightful position as the leader of the, of the free world, right? His rightful position as the president. But of course, obviously... Obviously, there are millions of Americans who believe an entirely different story. To uh, quote David Strom, he had a, a great article over at Hot Air this morning. He says, quote, in liberals' minds, Trump is self-evidently a fascist. The media, the media tells them so. The president tells them so. The political representatives tell them so. Uh, the, their friends tell them so. And on and on, end quote. Uh, but, but here's the point. Those who believe that Trump is a fascist they are acting on that belief. 
They are energized and motivated. And if Donald Trump does get elected, you can bet your ass they're ready to burn down the whole damn house in order to protect democracy against their misconception that Trump is a tyrant. Friends, as previously discussed, I do believe that just might be the plan. And the solution to all of this is subject to personal interpretation, of course, but I'm going to go ahead and hang my hat on the prescient words of Thomas Jefferson, who said, and I quote, the remedy is to set them right as to the facts. What signify a few lives lost in a century or two. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It's its natural manure. Friends, if all hell does break loose this year, remember this. The fight has long has been a long time coming, and even though we didn't start the fight, we didn't pick the fight, American patriots sure as hell better be ready to finish the fight. We cannot remain silent. We must remind our rulers that the American American spirit is alive and well, and the spirit of resistance is rising up, and therefore, resist we must. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to thetorchreport.com, find the heart, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already, and of course, the greatest owner of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this terrific Tuesday, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.